Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. John, how are you today? I'm good, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I just, I always say it's good to see you and it is good to see you. But again, I was trying to throw it a different way and maybe didn't quite land. I threw you off. You were, you were used to the routine. No, I like, I'm a routine guy. That's just all there is to it. I like having routines in my life. Um, so it's okay to be, to be thrown off every once in a while though. That's okay. So another awesome episode that surprised us a little bit. We knew this dude was going to bring some good juice. Didn't know it was going to be as uh, impactful as I think it will turn out to be. Um, we got into a lot of stuff across the board from zooming out way out to theoretical stuff to zooming in and the, the tangible, some tangible skills as well. The thing I love about these conversations is that it's just energizing, yeah. right? It, it gives you something tangible or practical to try that creates some energy around this thing. And we say it all the time, take a step, take a step today, move, do something. Well, sometimes that's really hard when we don't have a practical, tangible thing to execute. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was talking to somebody the other day was talking about getting back into working out. And I was just like, mark your progress somehow, track it, like yeah. pay attention and track it. Cause we start and then we stop because we don't see ourselves moving, but just little progress markers along the way are so big. And that's been my experience running this summer. Like I went from running, you know, about two miles a day to about two and a half miles a day. And I didn't notice it. Had I not been writing it down, I went to notice it. And then all of a sudden it's three plus miles a day. You know, I went and ran six and a half this morning and felt really good coming out of it. And it's like, for some of you out there, you run a lot more than that, a lot more consistently, but six and a half is a huge win in my world. And it just kind of happened, mm-hmm. but I was motivated by seeing the progress. So I would, I would encourage you all, if you're going to start, if you're going to follow some of the things that we talk about in this episode, pay attention to it, track it, see how it's going, right? It takes very little time to put some information in a spreadsheet, um, or to write it down on a piece of paper. John, who did we talk to today? Uh, I'll stop talking. No, it's all right. Austin Byler, former, uh, professional baseball player was with the Arizona diamondbacks for a couple of seasons. And you're going to hear his story a little bit in terms of how he transitioned to something that he believes is more in his calling, but a uh, professional baseball player now is the co-founder of an organization called major league university, which, you know, when I, at first glance, it's like, Oh, they're training baseball players specifically about baseball. And it's so much more and so much different than that. Like that's the lens, right? That's, that's the hook. And I love that, that yes, they're going to train the physical skills, but it's a really a focus on building life skills and how to manage yourself to perform at your best. And the very, I love their website. It's um, the, the first thing that you see is, become the best version of yourself today. Yeah. And that, again, that's not a become the best baseball player today, become the best athlete today, become the best version of you. And I think, you know, we get into that a little bit too, in terms of how do we find our identity in some things 
Well, and the thing that I loved about their approach is like, it's not all going to be the same for everybody. It's not going to work the same for everybody. And we're just opening the door to a series of conversations that are really necessary. Right. And, um, how do we do that? Well, it might be baseball for some of us. It might be sport for some of us. It might be your job. Can you have these conversations with peers in your workplace? Absolutely. You can. Right. So how do we start that process? And Austin walks us through some awesome ways to begin to think about how to do that. Crushes it. I loved it. You guys are going to love it. You'll be better today for listening. Let's go. We are now joined by Austin Byler, former professional baseball player with the Diamondbacks organization and co-founder of Major League University. Austin, pleasure to have you today. We're excited to have you join us for this episode of our podcast. John, Jamie, I'm fired up, guys. Uh, super stoked to be on here and I'm excited to get, get to know you guys and, and get this thing rolling, man. Let's go. I love the mission of what you guys are doing. And in a lot of ways, I think we are similar in our in our bent what i this is always an interesting question to me what brought you to the realization that the mental side of sport was life-changing outside of sport and that's what you wanted to give away and just so you know austin we don't waste any time we're just right into the, the hard hitters <laughs> hey get How did right you get in, baby. there's no other way to dive into the cold water than head first baby come on uh, I know I, I love the question, Damien, and it's a great question. I know I remember when I was 14 years old, I was walking down the stairs at my, at my home and my mom was sitting down there and she had the secret on TV. And she's like, hey, and at this time, it was like a cassette tape or DVD or something different. right? It wasn't a Netflix documentary special. And so uh, she, she called me down. And she's like, Austin, we're going to watch the secret with us. It's all about the law of attraction, positivity, this, this and this. And my first instinct was, mom, I'm going back upstairs to play Call of Duty. There's no way I'm, I'm watching this thing. I'm 14 years old. And so me and my brother, we came down here to watch it. And uh, it was very impactful at the time, but I didn't understand any of it. I was like, this sounds great. It sounds cool, but I don't know what this all is. Like, what is this stuff? And so um, it, it kind of planted the seed early on in my life with my mom just kind of pouring into me early on. And then we went out to college and that's where I really saw the value in the mental side of the game. My first two years, we had nobody come in and work with us. It was just our coaching staff, which were awesome, but we didn't have any external resources for the mind, nothing at all. And that was one of the biggest things that I struggled with was handling anger, how to process through failure, how to remain confident when you are failing and in slumps. And that stuff was really hard to do and deal with on your own especially as a young teen slash college kid. And so uh, when I got into my, my third year, it was uh, my junior year, we had a couple of people come in and, and they poured into us and different psychologists and team builders and things like that. And it was very impactful. I knew at that point I wanted to do something along these lines. I didn't know if it was coach, if it was mentor people, if it was leadership development, but I knew that that was a very prevalent thing in my life at the time. And when I got to professional sports, I was like, man, this has to change. When I was in there, I failed the drug test my first year. After my first year, I crushed it, killed. I was in Montana, John. So I was up in uh, uh, Missoula, Montana. So I got to spend some time up there and in the great Northwest, beautiful country or sorry, beautiful state. It looks like a country. And so I was <laughs> out there. And uh, after that first year, I was struggling mentally. In those next couple of years, I suffered from a lot of anxiety and depression and worry and self-confidence and self-esteem issues. And it all came down to finding my identity in my sport, not who I was. And so at that point, I was like, man, something needs to change when I get out of this game. When I retire, we need to do something about this. And that was kind of that avenue and segue into the mental side of sports and, and starting with baseball, but then transitioning into all sports. 
So when you did decide to retire, I guess I don't know enough about your story in terms of, was it your decision? Did you get injured? Was it, uh, Hey, this is clearly the time that it's time for me to move on and do something else or, and, and how did you manage that transition? Because I think we talk about that a lot with people we have on here. And then just for us ourselves, we were college athletes. We had to make that transition. It was sooner, but how did you make that transition and, and kind of what was that process for you? It was difficult at first, but I knew after my third year, so I had the opportunity to play for three years with the Diamondbacks and going into that technically fourth year of spring training, rolling in, I was having a great spring training. And I remember the hitting coordinator came up to me about three days before I was released and said, Byler, whatever you've changed, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And this was when I started the personal development journey about three months prior to this with gratitude and meditation and all those. And so I was like, I got this, right? This is in the bag, right? I'm, I'm going to get to the big leagues for sure. And then a couple of days later, I get released, called into the office and uh, they let me go. And so I went out and played independent baseball for about a month uh, and just kind of saw the writing on the wall there. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. The atmosphere was a lot different. And I knew that there was something else tugging on my heart, calling me into a different segue. And so for me, it wasn't as hard as I believe most transitions are for athletes, but that transition from high school to college and you're done playing sports or college to professional world and you're done with sports and even professional athletes into the real world is a big eye opener because now you're 26, 27 years old. You have no career working experience at all. All you've done and all you've known is your sports. And so when you leave that, it's really hard to find a structure that works for you because you're so used to structure this, 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 this all day long, everything's laid out for you. So it was challenging to, to transition, but thankfully there's, there's a big tug on my heart from God saying, Hey, it's time to move on. It's time to find something that you're passionate about. And it's your time to go use your platform and what you've been given the opportunities that you have to go make a bigger impact for those athletes that are coming up behind you. So talk to that a little bit. You said things like gratitude and mindfulness. What makes you think that 14 year olds or 15 year olds can handle something like you do at major league university where we, we layer this awesome stuff that's life-changing for us as adults because we buy in and we invest and we do it consistently over time. But, you know, I, I taught high school kids for 10 years. Like I, I get how hard it is for them to focus on anything, let alone, well, I mean, themselves is helpful, right? I mean, it's helpful that it's themselves, but how do you start to say this worked for me? Let's pour it down, you know, into these other to kids that, that may not be able to handle it yeah. on the level that we want them to. It's so challenging, right? You, you teach in high school, you get how challenging it is to get somebody just to sit down and pay attention, let alone like put the phone away for a minute. And I think just sharing personal experience throughout the journey of, of my story and, and relating to them that connect connectability with the athlete or the person and saying, look, these are the, this is the way I tried to do it on my own here's the things that started to work for me when I was living my best life. And here's where I found my true happiness and joy in these few things. If I could turn back the, the page a little bit, would I change anything? No way. But if I had to change something, I would implement these tools at a younger age. So my, my firm belief is this needs to be in schools K through eight, like yeah. kindergarten moving in. We need to learn how to breathe. Maybe it's not a 10 minute mindfulness meditation, but maybe it's a 60 second, put everything away, breathe for a sec. What does positivity mean? How do you stay in the middle? How do you play in the middle? And then how do you go and support and encourage other people? So I think it's really challenging. But when you share that story, you start to connect with the athlete and then using your sports history as like an avenue in to impact the mind and saying, look, man, I know that 
it's hard right now to grasp this. I know that this is a big concept for you. You have no idea what this means. Gratitude is like, dude, I got up and I got McDonald's this morning, right? Like I, that's cool. But let's start these practices at a young age. And over time, if you continue to stick with this, the compound effect and the big mo that's going to be coming around you with that momentum is going to help you be prepared when you get to that college level. How bad do you want to be a collegiate athlete? How bad do you want to be a businessman or woman? How bad do you want to go impact other lives? So I think that's where uh, you cut through some of the noise. But then again, it is difficult and it's a challenge. And I love that challenge. Though. It's awesome. But it, it reminds me of the story you told about your mom making you sit down and watch the movie, right? And you didn't have it. You, said, you just said, I had no idea what it was. These were things that were, I knew it was going to impact me somehow because you felt it, but you didn't know how, right? And many years down the line, it's about planting the seed, Jamie. And I think, you know, we, we certainly have talked about that and do that. I think as coaches, teachers, parents, that's what you're doing, right? Is they're not necessarily going to get it right now. And the yeah, kid, like, and the one and the ones that do are going to thrive right now, yeah. right? And that's so. So we do this with I have a one and a half year old, and uh, we say like we sign to her, you know, waiting and be patient. And both of those things at different times trigger her to take a breath. My wife, from very early on, like six months, was would demonstrate when you're frustrated. Oh, I hear that you're getting frustrated. I hear that you're angry. She'd just say, let's take a breath. Like, let's take a deep breath. And so now my daughter is a year and a half and the seed is planted young. And so now like when we say be patient, she'll be like, you know, this big deep breath. And it's awesome because it's like, she's learning how to regulate. Also, you said something that was actually a part of something I wrote down to ask you if, you know, as coaches, we always are like, man, if I could only go back and like, if I knew now, then what I know now, what's that thing that became the tipping point for you? Had you, you know, you said, stay in the middle, play in the middle. Like if you could go back and tell yourself, tell your 16, 17, 18, 20 year old self, one of these things that you work on, where do you start? to say this thing is the trigger is the, is the movement forward. Meditation, hundred percent meditation, no doubt about it. That's the, the biggest life changing thing I've ever done. Uh, and, and wording it with the athletes, maybe it's more like mental highlight, reel, visualization, see yourself succeed type of deal. So it really applies to them. So maybe they might only be doing it sports specific at the time, but eventually it translates to everything in their life. But if there was one tool that I can go back and change and use immediately when I was younger was meditation. It would just help me deal with stress, help me deal with other people's opinions. And nowadays there's so many rankings and things online that just distract our athletes. And I don't know if it's creating a more selfish culture necessarily, um, whether it's trying to or not, but a lot of athletes are comparing themselves to other people. And then when you get on there and it's a lonely world sometimes when you're by yourself and you're scrolling through the social media feeds and seeing these things, and the ability to just detach from the results, the ability to detach from the thoughts every once in a while and just have some time for yourself. Like sit down and work on yourself when you're younger is such a powerful tool and skill. And it's so hard to do when you're distracted and you're young and testosterone is rolling. And, and there's a lot of distractions out there in your life, right? So uh, meditation would be huge, man. That's the number one thing that we teach and that I would for sure give to these kids. Can you speak to how you, how you teach it or how can you, can you give some, some tools to people listening out there? Yeah, there's, there's a couple different ways. So starting with the breath, like you were just mentioning uh, with your child, which is awesome, by the way, that's so cool. I, I got it. I'm telling that story for sure. It's amazing. But 
Uh, for, for that aspect, there's, there's one simple breath that I like, and it's the double inhale, single exhale. So two in through the nose. And so I'll tell the athletes, hey, anytime that you feel stressed, anytime you feel rushed, nervous, fearful, anxious, whatever it might be, some tension creeping in, double inhale, single exhale, in the dugout, on the mound, in on the sidelines, right? Maybe on the bench, wherever you're at, just try it out. Like just use it. And all of a sudden, it'll just help relax your mind a little bit. And then going into the meditation aspect, we do the four by four breathings. Um, there's a new one from Headspace that I really like, and it's just counting your breaths. And it's something like a, a bare entry level for the athletes. I've noticed that that simplicity there of just, hey, I don't care what cadence or count you go on. I don't care how you do it. Let's just close our eyes. You can lay down. You can sit up. It's up to you. Get comfortable. Whatever's going to be convenient for you. Because it's not convenient for us, we're not going to do it. And we're not going to prioritize it. So for them, I just tell them, hey, sit up, lay down, whatever it is. Let's just count our breaths. Let's start to breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth, and just start to count our breaths. And I really like the inhale as like the energy into the body. The exhale is like that relaxation, letting everything go and kind of calming myself down. So using the breath as a tool rather than, oh, I have to go do this type of deal for a lot of these guys is big. And then the mental highlight reel for, for my sports-specific athletes is huge. And just saying, hey, let's just get in a position where we can see ourselves succeed. Like think about that bad strikeout and that's all you've thought about for three days in a row. You took it to your girlfriend, you took it to your mom and dad, you took it to lunch. Let's cancel that, right? Let's get rid of that. And let's just start to see myself dominate the zone, pounding the zone, hitting the ball hard, making the play, shooting the shot, whatever that might be. And just that little mental highlight reel at the very least, they might not even know they're visualizing, but at least for them, they're doing something that's active, that's engaging and that's helping their, their future success start to happen. Well, I, I think you use some different words to describe basically the same thing, right? You're, just, you're describing meditation, mindfulness, but you used highlight reel, which people associate with, especially athletes. Oh, a highlight reel? That's, that's different than sitting in a dark space, listening to this, you know, mid-eastern mid music that's with gongs and things like that and a meditating, right? That's a totally different thing. And I think, but I think that's part of, you know, my background in mental health is taking down that stigma and creating more awareness about what things actually are, you know? And, and I think that's what you're doing is you're like, Hey, it's the same thing, but let's call it something that makes sense to people. Let's call it something that you can relate to. Because I think even as a, you know, 36 year old, how old I am, I don't even know how old I am, but we're 36, John, we're 36. 36. So I was right. Um, but even as a 36 year old, I hear meditation and I'm like, Ooh, like there's just a, it almost sends a shiver down my spine. But if you say highlight reel to me and imagine yourself in these situations being successful, boy, now that's a lot easier to do. That terminology, man, the terminology is huge. I think it leads to that connectability and then just building that relationship with them. So they trust you or they trust you kind of break down the walls, but you're right. The relatability with a, a word that, Hey, sports center highlight reel. Oh, I saw that sweet dunk. I saw that sweet soccer kick, right? Like, you start to associate it with that. And it's like, when I hear meditation at first, all I thought was, where's the hippies at? <laughs> like, am I yeah. joining the hippies? Is this like a tribe? Is this a gang? And then I realized, man, meditation is not controlling your thoughts or anything. It's sitting with your thoughts and watching them go by as you sit there in peace and silence. I'm like, man, I'm like trying to control my mind. You're like, I got mind powers for so long. Like, I have no mind powers. Actually, it's harder for me to try and control it than not. So you're right, man, just using those connectability words. So, what what was a struggle for you as an athlete that you felt like I couldn't get beyond, you know, we, whether it was emotional regulation or 
uh, you know, you talked a little bit about being angry about things. What were things that you would get stuck on that you think mindfulness meditation, some of the, you know, we're going to talk about the gratitude journals in just a second, but different things like that, that have, would have can allow athletes or you've seen athletes in your programming say, when we embrace this thing, the change was real. Like what, what were your struggles and different types of struggles you see that maybe a coach out there is going, I'm a little bit dubious. I don't know how well this works. Mm, shoot. I'd say attaching your identity to your results. That's the number one thing. And you could be worded in a bunch of different ways, but the simple way to say it is my identity is not found in my results, right? I did good. I'm happy at home. I'm having a great game on Fortnite tonight. I'm, I did bad. I'm super angry. My girlfriend got yelled at and my parents are, are, are getting just demolished downstairs because of that bad meal that they made. That was actually really good. So the identity attaching to the results is the biggest thing for me that, that I was really, I was so tied to it. Right. That, that's where I governed my self-worth on and my self-esteem was I'm the best. I'm so confident. I'm so good. Or I'm awful. Who even would like me? Who wants to be around me? I don't deserve to be around you if I'm failing. So that's a big thing that I see with a lot of the athletes, especially the high school and college athletes and even some of the pro guys. And I think professionally is the, the feeling of always looking over your back. Right, always looking over your back, feeling like somebody else is coming behind you. If there's a, a coach or GM that's looking over your shoulder, you always feel this added subconscious pressure that it's really not there, but we put it there in a way. We almost imagine this pressure that we put on ourselves. And I've experienced that a lot with the professional athletes. I mean, there's some guys who are AAA on the verge of making the big leagues. And it's the same thing that a high school kid's dealing with or a college kid's dealing with, just maybe in a different way. So those two things for sure. And then confidence. I mean, confidence ebbs and flows, but finding confidence in your process and your preparation and in your training versus finding your confidence strictly in your results and how good you're doing on the field. Yes, we want results. Yes, that helps us build confidence, but that's not everything, right? You might be doing everything right and getting the wrong results. So let's kind of work down the funnel and be a little less hard on ourselves and be a little more open, optimistic on the future. So I think that's a good segue into what you're doing now. Major League University, it's camps, skill camps, and also leadership development, which I, I love that there's, you know, not only are they separated, but they're connected as well, you know, on your website and what you do, how you talk about it. But so in terms of, you can feel free to give us the major league university pitch, but then also I'm curious how about that specific thing where you're talking about not tying your identity to the results and how you guys are kind of approaching that in the the camps and the leadership development that you're doing? Yeah, I think a lot of it's open conversation. Uh, the leadership development's awesome because it's strictly leadership, mindset, mindfulness training, character building, whatever you want to call it, really is just more of impacting athletes and inspiring people to be the best that they can be. And that's simply what we're all about is allowing others to embrace themselves, getting rid of the BS belief system that holds us back, right? And a lot of us have negative belief systems and um, I think having a belief system that serves us and that empowers us every single day so that we're not getting lost in the sauce sometimes is going to be huge for a lot of the athletes. But using the camps has been a good little segue because the athletes think that they're coming just for a skill camp, right? And, and they want to get better at baseball or swinging or whatever it is. But it's been a great avenue for us to sit down and let's talk about teamwork. Let's talk about leadership. What does it look like to be a leader? That guy who picked up the balls and stayed after to stay there with us while all 15 of you walked away. That's the true leader right there is the one who's staying behind, humbling themselves and, and picking up the balls for each one of us as a coach 
and then we move on from there. So highlighting those at our camps has been big. We've noticed a, a big shift and then just giving them some of those breathing techniques when we're there as well. Just the simple things that, hey, we'll go through the physical side or right? we'll do all the skill work that we need to do. But this is going to happen only if we work on the mental side. If we don't have a, a strong mental game, the physical skill will never come out. Your true talent will never shine. So just allowing athletes to understand the differences between that. And then when we're in the, the, the leadership workshops, we're working with teams, uh, for instance, like this week, we'll be going to uh, college doing stuff with a, a coaching staff, trying to equip the coaching staff, right? And it's yeah. something that's kind of new for us. And we're like, man, what are we going to do for eight hours? Right? Well, what yeah. can we do? But it's really like, how do we get people to buy in and influence each other in positive light for the betterment of that program or that administration if it's, if it's a staff? So I think just getting people to buy into the aspect of, there is a better way. There are options for you. This isn't exactly how you need to do it, but here's a few options that you can work into your routines or your games that maybe this one sticks with Johnny, but this one sticks with Sabrina a little better. And it's something that's more, uh, I guess, designed for that person in, in their habitat as well. So you talk about developing confidence and, and then open conversations, right? Leadership, mindfulness, like we're, we're opening these conversations. I think a lot of that is just opening the conversation for yourself, like having some awareness around the idea period. And you guys, I mean, one of the things you guys talk about kind of the, the playbook or um, how, how, what's the wording that you guys, the, the for the journal, you, it's Ooh, the blueprint. Blueprint, blueprint for, yeah. Blueprint for success, right? It's like, I love that idea because really, the way to success is through your own personal growth and you don't get there unless you're examining where you are consistently, right? You have to stop and assess, take a look and say, where am I today? And not just in a, in a sense of like retraining your thinking. I love the gratitude journal, like Sean Aker happiness advantage sort of stuff, where it's like, we're, we're looking for things in the world that are giving us joy in this life, but we also stop and say, this is where I am today. Oh, I'm really grateful that I had McDonald's this morning because I haven't had McDonald's in 25 years. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I would like to say that's that. A that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's not at all. <laughs> but we can be grateful for small things and we say, okay, that was something I'm grateful for, but maybe I shouldn't do it every day because I don't actually feel that great about it. Or, you know, like, so how, what is, what process do you guys use for the journaling? Because I'm super into journals and gratitude journals specifically, but, um, are you guys building in confidence reflections where you're talking about, this is something I did well, I don't know, just go, go wherever you want with that. But I'm curious about it. You're spot on, man. You're spot on. You, you named it before I even had to name it. You're on it. I mean, I think you have a copy. We got to get you guys a copy. That's what we do. Got to, we gotta get you. <laughs> That's going in the notes. Um, but Absolutely. with the, the blueprint, we have a little formula here and it's just kind of like that starting point of like, Hey, what is our why? And, and if it's a coach, Hey, why do we coach? If it's a player, what, what's the reason we play? And, and we give some examples, right? It's not just because mom and dad make me play or because I like the sport, right? It's like something deeper. Do I play for my family, my, my siblings for my own personal joy and gratitude, right? So going through that, implementing effective standards um, or habits, we put it in there as habits. Like, Hey, what are some habits that I can commit to every day? What are three yeah. things that I will commit to every day? Maybe it's a cold shower in the morning. Maybe it's no complaining anymore when uh, the coffee pot doesn't work, right. Or something happens. Um, and just implementing little, little mini tools that go a long way. Those little things that make a big difference, but you hit something on the head there with the gratitude aspect sometimes. And one of the biggest questions we get back is, well, I got to be grateful for the big things, right? Like I, I didn't hit a home run this week. How am I grateful? It's like, did you wake up? Yeah. Are you breathing? Yeah. Did you eat food today? 
Yes. That's three things right there, dude. Like put it in the journal, right? Those are three simple things. And when you find joy in those little things, it produces a bigger source of happiness and joy and fulfillment for your life. So going into the blueprint, it starts off with the gratitude aspect. Um, so three things that we're grateful for on the day, um, one goal for the day. So say my goal is just to show up earlier to practice. Maybe it's to show up and, and pay more attention in class for this day. Maybe it's just to be the best family member at Thanksgiving that I can be instead of getting upset that the peach cobbler doesn't taste the way I want it to taste, right? Um, and then from there, we move on to the affirmations. Who do I say I am? Like, what are the things that I say I am? My partner has a had an athlete who started to do this journaling last year at the University of San Diego. And he started to write down, I'm the West Coast player of the year. I'm the West Coast player of the year. I'm the best player in the West Coast. And he was a borderline starter. And he ended up being the West Coast player of the year. I believe it was two years ago. So I'm not fact checking on that. But he started to write it down. He showed me the journal. And we're like, dude, this is amazing. Like, that's powerful. But somebody bought in. They, they, they put all the investment, they put all the coin in there and they went all in on it and, and it helped, helped them a lot. So going through that. And then the one thing I've dominated for the self-reflection is at the end too. Yeah. I, we talk about do the work and get paid, you know, like, and as, as athletes, it's like, do the work, you will get paid eventually. And to, to think about, I'm going to start seeing myself as someone that can dominate a conference and I'm currently not someone that plays or dominates my team or my, you know, like to be able to have that shift in thinking creates a shift in preparation. It creates a shift in, well, if I'm going to dominate the conference, I got, I got to prepare and perform like someone that dominates the conference. Right. So I, I change the way that I do everything. And I, just, I mean, it's powerful. Clearly we're on the same page about that. Well, and, and even going off that for a quick second there, Jamie is, I'm meeting with an athlete yesterday. He's a soccer player and he's going to be a junior this year in high school. And he's a really good soccer player, plays on a very competitive team, but he's been hurt for two years, right? On and off the field, some nagging injuries and some things that were totally out of his control, like just crazy things with his legs. And we started getting to talking and a lot of what we talk about is confidence and getting him back to where he was, but better than he was and getting him to realize that that person hasn't gone anywhere. It's still right there, right? You just got to tap back into that person inside of you. And he mentioned something and I'm like, like, what if you just, like I showed him a video and it was like, what if you just believe that you were the best person on the field? Or what if you believed you're the best person on the field? He's like, well, I'm realistic and I'm not. I'm not the best person on the field, let alone the country, let alone my state, let alone this. I'm like, okay, well, you're going you're gonna to become what you believe, right? You're eventually going to become it. So I said, what if we flipped it this way? What would you do differently if you, if you believed that you were the best player on the field? And he said, well, I'd go to this uh, ODP camp or something, like some national camp. And I go over to Europe and I said, like, okay. And, and what happens at those camps is, well, they pick the, the best players from those camps to play on our national team, right, to represent the USA. Okay. And what's stopping you from going there? Like, uh, I, I guess I don't believe I'm the best player on the field. <laughs> I'm like, dude, guess what? If, if you don't believe that you can be better than you are right now, then how do you ever expect to be better than you are right now? We must believe that we can be better than how we are in this very moment if we want to become better than we've ever became. But the problem in our society is that we feel like it's like this fixed point where I get to this point and I can't grow anymore. I can't grow anymore. In reality, we're always developing and growing. You said earlier, we're always evolving, learning, and growing. And eventually, uh, like Bob Goff says, hey, we're becoming a new creation, right? Every day is a new creation. I'm going to become a new creation today. I'm a new person. I'm a new person. And that thing always really just stuck with me. So just a simple story, but it really stuck out in what you were saying there. Just like that confidence piece. Like I've got to believe I'm better than I actually am, even if I'm not that good yet. 
huge. Yeah, because our belief system changes the way that we do everything, right? And I love that, you know, I love that you call it BS. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's so good, right? Because it is. Our belief system can be just a bunch of BS that we've trained into our brain over time because maybe a parent said something to us at a, at a time that we were really influenceable. Maybe a coach said something to us, right? I had a, an athlete that I that played hockey. I'm from Minnesota. And so, you know, stayed a hockey up here. And I asked him, I'm like, why don't you play football? He goes, I'm not any good. Now he's an eighth grader. He's like 5'10, 190. Doesn't play football, right? In a town where we need every able bodied male to, to strap up a hell, you know, like, but I'm not any good. You're an eighth grader. How do you know you're not any good? Well, because you had that belief system and put into you somewhere along the lines in fifth grade peewee football. And now you're like, well, I, I can't ever contribute. And well, re- and not, but, yeah. but not only that, Jamie, it's, you had that thought, that comment, that whatever that was implemented, or you received that message somewhere. And then along the line, you didn't have anybody that said, Hey, that's BS. Yeah. Let's, let's reframe it. Right. Like let's, you have the choice to go a different direction and, and that's not a knock on parents or coaches, but it's, yeah. it's just how it, it has been for so long that it's, there isn't an emphasis on that reframing of that. I can continue to get better. I can do put my mind to whatever it is and I'm going to continue to grow and contribute and, and re, you know, re-identify myself, not as the result, but as who I am and who I want to be. Well, and that's the power that what we're trying to do at, with a podcast is the power of what you're trying to do with Major League University and being able to give that to people is just, uh, you know, it's good on you, man. It's it's awesome stuff. And I, I know that you guys are doing great things. Um, so, yeah. Austin, where can people find your information if they want to learn more about the camps, the leadership stuff, any, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, MajorLeagueUniversity.com. You can find everything on there. All of our social medias are linked on there. You can find us at Major League University on all platforms except for Twitter. For some reason, the league wasn't popping up, but nobody has it. So we're Major University on Twitter. It's a little different. And then you can find me personally at Austin Byler anywhere and um, whichever one's easier to type in. <laughs> Appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, guys. Have a blessed one. Thanks again to Austin. Another awesome conversation that has theoretical stuff that makes you think about who you are, how you are, what you do, but then also some real practical skills. Jamie, when you look back at the conversation, kind of what stood out to you? Well, primarily it's this, we talked about it a little bit, BS, right? Our belief systems structure our outputs. It's that simple. If you believe you are the best in the country at something, guess what? You prepare like the best in the country. If you believe you are the best in the area, you prepare like you're the best in the area. Somebody that believes they're the best in the country is preparing differently than someone that believes they're the best in the area. I will just tell you that, right? It's So as your goals increase, as your belief system changes about who you are and what you can become, your preparation changes. You understand I have to put in this type of work because I'm going to be the best in the country. 
not, I'm going to be the best in the area. My high school coach used to say this all the time. You know, if you want to be the best from this town, congratulations. That's a really cool thing. It's an awesome achievement, but it doesn't mean that much in the end. You know, like it's just an, it's a small town in Southern Minnesota. Congratulations. Right. Like, and it's cool, but who do you want to be? Let's continue to up that belief system towards I can be something really great. I can be something amazing today. And I, I, I loved how he talked about it. What about you? Well, before I go to what that statement that you just made is something that I think I'm wrestling with every day. I wrestle with that every day in the work that we're doing because I know that I can provide value. I know that I'm good at what I do, but I, I don't always prepare like I'm the best in the country. Sometimes I prepare like I'm the best in my house, which hopefully I am. Right. And other days you're competing against. Right. And, and so, and, and some days I settle for that and I don't prepare like I'm the best, even in the area or my town or the state of Montana or whatever, but, uh, no, the things that stood out to me were the, the practical things he talked about was meditation, breathing. It's very simple. It doesn't have to be sit in a dark room. It's visualize being successful. Take a few breaths to reset yourself, calm your body. And count your whatever, breaths. It's that easy, count, right? Count your breaths. It's well, it's simple. It's not that easy. We <laughs> yeah. haven't, we haven't had that come up for a while, but it is simple. That's something I've used with some of my individual mental health counseling their our, um, clients and, and it's hard to to just be there and accept the thoughts that come in and out but it's amazing what it does to reset your physical sensations and then in turn the emotional ability to move on with your day and, and be successful so the practical things were kind of the things that stuck out to me yeah and as you're saying that i'm looking on my wall because i have this quoted somewhere um but it's this idea it's a stoic philosophy like it's not the thoughts or it's not the things that happen but our judgments of them that cause the damage right it's good or it's bad right um and so the in the practical thing don't try and attach a judgment to what's happening right now it's not good it's not bad it just is like keep doing it and the more you do it the better you the better the outcomes will continue to be even if it's not every time We appreciate you joining us. As always, we bring you this content, these conversations ad-free, free free of charge. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is share this information. Share this episode with somebody that you care about that you know will find value. If you have something you want to reach out to us, we'd love hearing from you. Send us a message. Send us a text. Um, If you don't know how to get a hold of us, I don't know how to help you. Our website's out there. Eyes Up Mindset. We're everywhere. So, um, We'd love to hear from you. Jamie, anything else you got? I'm good, man. Appreciate you. And as always, live eyes up.